the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Here in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul goes to great lengths to show us just how secure God's love for us really is. Join us as we continue our exploration of Romans 8, next on Abounding Grace. From Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose and online at reformedheritage.org, welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. We are continuing our journey through Romans. We've been spending a lot of time here in chapter 8, verses 28 through 39. Its rich content just arrests us, forces us to slow down at a snail's pace to explore just how deep God's love for us really is. Christ's Love Conquers All is the title of our message. Again, Romans 8, verses 28 through 39. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Christ's Love Conquers All. But nothing can separate us from the love of God, and we ought to be very thankful because we need to hear this almost more than we need to hear anything else. Wolves infiltrate the church. There's no unity. Doctrine, what's that? All that matters is we feel good and close to God. Statist, secularist, everywhere you look, there's bad news. Of course, you don't have to look outside to see bad news. Just look at your own family. At times, we are weak. You put a house full of sinners together, and what do you get? Trouble. Sparks flying upward. You look within yourself, your flesh, which is just waiting to burst out with all kinds of filth. What can we do about it? We can't avoid any of these troubles. There's nothing you can do to avoid any of these troubles. What can we do? Well, before we do anything, we need to hear something. And what we need to hear is that God loves us, that nothing can separate us from his love. And his love is the most powerful thing in all the world. We'll see this today as we did throughout our study of Job, if you remember. That's one reason God sunk Job so low, so that he was little more than a breathing corpse, covered with boils, everything he had gone. And the only thing he had left was a wife, who along with him, I believe, was a godly woman. But she was so pressed down by the troubles that she had just given up and was nagging at Job. But... What did God do? He said, my love is able to beat Satan even with a corpse like Job. 
because it is so powerful to uphold. But of course, we don't even need Job. We have the Lord Jesus Christ who was clothed in weakness and brought so very low and beseeched with things that we cannot even imagine. Face-to-face conflict with the evil one himself, impaled on a cross, suspended between heaven and earth, but yet, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so from that weakness... He endured the attacks, and God raised him up to be the Lord of all and to be our Savior. So, love conquers all. God's love conquers all. It's interesting, as Paul is giving this list of persecutions, famine, nakedness, prison, disease, no money, he doesn't say, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me tell you some platitudes first, and then I'll get to some important things later. No, no, he just says, there is one really important thing when we're going through such things, and that is to get on our face before Almighty God and to recognize that His love is our life and to wait upon Him to call upon him, to trust him, and to look to the Lamb of God who was crucified for us. So we need to have as clear a perception as possible of this wondrous love of God, our Savior. Slogans won't do us any good. They'll not beat back the devil. When the hour of temptation comes to you, they won't help you at all. You've got to have this persuasion that Paul has here. You know, whenever in Scripture God talks about His love, the Holy Spirit always brings forward two things. Turn with me to a verse you know quite well. It's John 3.16. This same idea here is present throughout Scripture. And I'll tell you the idea, and then I'll read the verse. Whenever God speaks of loving us, The main proof of that is that he sent his son. And whenever scripture speaks of Christ's love for us, the main point that is always made is he laid down his life for us. These two things are always brought out. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, That so whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8. But God commended his love or showed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. And we could look at several more, but I'm going to limit to, to these three. And please keep these in mind because you'll probably need them to beat back Satan this week in your life. First John 4.10, here is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Scripture never says, build yourself up. 
and a love frenzy for God because that is what will protect you. No, no, no. Herein is love, not that we loved God. Our love in comparison to his is a block of ice, but that he loved us and sent his son to be our propitiation for our sins. Three verses, the same idea. God loves me. How do I know? He sent his son when I was a wicked, miserable, condemned, damned sinner with no hope of deliverance. I couldn't do anything, say anything, make any improvements. I mean, I could do some surface, peripheral changes in my life. But God looks at those with disdain because they don't address the core issue, which is my heart rebellion and its impurities. Yet, excuse me, yet even then, he sent his son. So how do we know that Jesus loves us? Is it because I'm free of pain finally? Or because I have a well-paying job? Or because I feel all fuzzy during worship? Or because we have a great rock and roll band blasting out warm little ditties? No, none of that will do you any good. Satan scoffs at all that kind of garbage today that we think is piety and niceties and pleasant little rock concert for Christ. All of these things within the church are nothing but distractions There is one thing that we know gives us the assurance that God loves us, and that is he laid down his life for us on the cross. And notice, not as a sentimental thing. Oh, no, no, no. There is no sentiment about propitiation, a word we don't hear much about today. 1 John 4.10, here is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, which is the bloody sacrifice that satisfies our justice with God. That is how we know that Christ loved us. Had he drank and drained the cup of judgment that my sins and your sins deserve, and he bore it all on the cross. So, beloved, keep the love of Christ for his people before you this week. Think about such love as his. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 2, we walk in love as Christ loved us and given himself as a sacrifice for us, a sweet-smelling aroma, a fragrance for God. Think about his love. His love is enduring. We're not. We are as unstable as water. But John 3, 1 says, having loved his own, he loved them until the end. And what was the end? My God, why have you forsaken me? My father, my delight with whom I am one for all eternity is power and glory and essence. But now incarnate, Suffering as the mediator.
Yet his love endured to that end, and nothing can separate us. If the cross didn't, nothing else can separate us from the love of God in Christ. His love is open, and it is affectionate. Do you believe that? Do you know anything about that in your life? You know, in the upper room, John was reclining on Jesus. And there was nothing strange going on there. Love loves to touch. Love is never austere. Love is never content to love its object at a distance. John loved Jesus. Now keep in mind, we know he was the Christ, and he walked on earth, and he ate fish and honey, but there in the upper room, he was still the Son of God incarnate, and he allowed John such intimacy, and probably with the others at times as well. But John is singled out as the beloved. And you can get to know Jesus just like that. You also can know Jesus' heart. And how do you get to know his heart? You've got to open your heart to him and stop pretending and stop wearing a mask and start being open, transparent, confessing, letting him into the grief of your life. Oh, he already knows it. But there's a certain comfort with Jesus when all the grief and all of the filth is just out in the open. His love is enduring. It's open and affectionate. And it is patient. And it is tender. We see him on the cross in John 19. He's going through the terrors and the agony of death and of hell and of judgment. And he sees his mother there grieving. And there is another little break and crack in his heart there on that cross. And he then and there makes provision for her. Now, if I'm flustered and I have a thousand things to do, I know I can be brusque. And you probably are too with your children or your spouse. And you kind of blow them off. But not Christ. He can have the world of our judgment hanging on his back. And yet he says, John, take care of my mom. His love is enduring, open, and affectionate. It is patient, and it is tender. Three times, you know, he asked Peter, do you love me? Why? Because he wanted to show Peter that his love for him is stronger than his love for me. So I'm going to put an end to your embarrassment, Peter, and your pain and your betrayals by just making you affirm your love for me. Because really, what I am doing is affirming my love for you. His love, of course, always does us good. And I think of Lazarus. I love those characters in the gospel to whom there is something that indicates Jesus loved them. You might ask, well, didn't he love everyone? No, and you need to listen to this. There is a sense in which with respect to his sheep, yes, he loves all his sheep. But there were some who knew his heart better and to whom he revealed 
more of himself. Beloved, labor to be just like that. There is not an exclusive elitist thing. He is a real person. And if you just stand aloof from him, well, I'm glad to be at the feast and I love Jesus, but I don't want to get too close. Well, with the close, he shows himself to be close. So love the Savior with your whole being. I think about what he did with Lazarus. Can you imagine Lazarus? Lazarus Lazarus was sick for several days. And he knew Jesus intimately. And that he was in the area. And he knew Jesus was the Son of God. And yet Jesus didn't come. So Lazarus, with his dying breath, said, He didn't come. He could have come. But Lazarus knew what was soon coming. So did Mary and Martha at some level. Jesus spoke very intimately with his close friends about going to Jerusalem. He said, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And I'm going to rise again. And my guess is that Lazarus, Mary and Martha probably believed and understood this better. And believed it more than any of his disciples did at this point. Jesus wanted to be there with Lazarus. He lived close by. Bethany is only a couple of miles away. But Lazarus died thinking, my friend didn't come. My divine friend didn't come. My my savior friend didn't come. But Jesus had something better in store. What did Lazarus get to do instead? He got to walk out of the tomb. Now, granted, you might say that dying was kind of a step down for Lazarus. And yeah, okay, we can argue about that. But no, it wasn't really. Because the lover, Jesus Christ, was still on earth. And he knows how to love us so much better than we think we need. We think I need this, I need a better job, I need a better spouse, I need a much better checkbook. Jesus says, no, you don't. You need a better you. You need a better understanding of Christ. You need a better taste of his love while you're going through these things. Because he came back to raise Lazarus to show him the glory of God in raising him. Lazarus was glowing when he came out of that tomb. Not literally, perhaps, but in his heart. He knew where he was. He knew where he had been. He knew the thoughts he had before he died. And now, my friend, he didn't want to just heal me. He wanted to raise me. And in me... Show a pattern of what he is going to do in all of God's family. Oh, my friends, what an amazing, amazing love. How can we be assured of this love? Paul says there in verse 38 of Romans 8, For I am persuaded. That's a powerful idea. Persuaded. And persuaded doesn't mean maybe. It doesn't mean I think so. It doesn't mean, I hope so. It doesn't mean, 
Four days out of a seven, I'm pretty sure. Persuaded is a deep and firm conviction that we are loved by God and Christ. Where do we get that? We'll turn over to a prayer Paul uttered in Ephesians 3. I don't know really where else to go with this because we're not going to get this persuasion for just the simple wishing of it. Ephesians 3, 4. Whenever scripture talks about persuasion or assurance, the one person of the Trinity that always comes to the forefront is the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the bond of our sonship. He is the seal of our union with Christ. When Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. He meant, I will come to you through the Holy Spirit. I'm going to dwell with you through his ministry, his presence, his power, his graces, his gifts. And we see this chain here in this beautiful prayer. Ephesians 3, 14. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of God, which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now notice there in verses 18 and 19, one of the goals of our salvation, perhaps one of the most personal goals is not deliverance from hell. It is to be filled with God's love. Some sense of what it is to be loved by the son of God which Paul says there in verse 19, passes knowledge. It is totally beyond our comprehension. God has got to give it to us. God has got to give us the assurance of it. And how does he do that? Notice the flow here. Verse, first, verse 16. We have to be strengthened with might by the Holy Spirit in our inner man the new man created by God. We have got to be strengthened there by the Holy Spirit. And how does the Holy Spirit do that? Through His Word. You've got to be where the Holy Spirit is. And where is He? He is where the preaching of the gospel is. He is where the scriptures are. He is the holy author of the book and must, and we mustn't offend him by a careless, godless, worldly, worldly life. Because if we do, the Holy Spirit, Paul says in Ephesians 4.30, is grieved. Think about it. I'm a good friend of Ken Rab. But every time I see Ken Rab and I spit in his face, well, he'll most likely say, you know what? I'm going to stay out of spitting range next time I see Gary because I'm tired of wiping that stuff off. Now you think, that's not the way the Holy Spirit is, right? Yes, it is. With our willing, habitual worldliness and sins, 
The Holy Spirit is a real person who condescends to dwell with us so much so that is indwelling, Scripture says, is God walking with us and being God's temple. And if we're not in the Word, if we're not crying out for grace to be in the Word, and if we're not asking for the grace to pray, and if we're not praying, if we're not recognizing, Lord, I need your strength, I don't have any, or if we are sinning, or we're looking at all kinds of garbage, or we're indulging fantasies, or we're not walking in obedience to God, the Holy Spirit feels like you're spitting in His face. So don't think, why am I always weak? Why can I never overcome this? Well, you spit on the Holy Spirit. And as God said, He is grieved. Or as He warns us in 1 Thessalonians 5, don't quench the Spirit. Don't put out His fire. And notice, we are to pray for this. Lord, strengthen me by your Spirit, so that, verse 17, Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.